It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your host here, Colt Molesky, and we are going to be breaking down the Houston Rockets game. Big win for the Timberwolves, and that will help get us prepped for the rest of the week going to talk a little bit about the slate of games they have this week and then tomorrow of course we'll we'll dive into the the Charlotte Hornets but first let's talk about last night's game so if you missed what happened last night the Minnesota Timberwolves took on and beat at home the Houston Rockets huge win at home it was the first time since the 16-17 season that the Timberwolves have found a victory over the Rockets in regular season play and what helped them get there well it was a lot to do with a monster second half effort they went into the halftime down trailing the 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 Rockets by uh, by 14, the lead was as many as 16 for the Rockets. And then they came out, had a 38-20 to 20 third quarter, the Timberwolves did, and f- closed out with a 17-9 fourth quarter. Big second-half effort. Big second-half effort for the Timberwolves, outscoring them 55-29 to 29 in the second half. And you look at what happened in this game. James Harden was huge. In the the first half for the Rockets, he scored 22 of his 29 points in the first half. Clint Capella added 16, but really those were the only two players that the Timberwolves really, really let go, really let loose. And in that second half, Harden with seven, Clint Capella with eight. Again, these were the only two players that the Timberwolves were really pestered by all game. They did a good job of not really letting anyone else loose. Chris Paul had five, Tucker had three, Gordon off the bench had 10 points in 34 minutes, uh, James Enos had nine. So if you're looking at the entire slate of players, there wasn't guys outside of those two that James Harden and Clint Capella that really damaged the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, on the other hand, had all five of their starters in double-digit points, and they ended with uh, six players in double digits. You had Towns going off and leading the scoring with 24 points and 11 rebounds. You had Taj Gibson, 15 points, 11 rebounds, another nice double-double for Taj. Covington had 13 and six rebounds. Wiggins with a pretty nice game, 16 points, three blocks, all three of which came in the third period. And he also added a steal. Towns had three steals as well, by the way. You had Teague with 14.7 assists. Dario Sarge with 12 points off the bench. Rose with his first dud of a game. Zero points in 25 minutes, but he did add five assists to this game. So he was still producing. We'll talk about that in a second. But overall, the Timberwolves shot 64% from three-point range. And they shot... 
46% from the field. So what what happened in the second half? Excuse me, 50% for some reason, the NBA.com page. I blame them fully. Did not load 50%, not 64. 64% was the second half shooting for the three-point line. 50% from the three-point line for the game. For the Timberwolves, 43% from the field. So what happened in the second half? Well, first of all, like I said, the Timberwolves defensively did a good job on the perimeter. Uh, the the Rockets ended up going 11 for 39 from three-point range for 28% from the arc. They did a good job collapsing on shooters outside, and they they played a lot like they played the Raptors last year when they had that, that nice win when Butler was out with an injury. They had that nice win where Kyle Lowry had 40 points and none of the other Raptors players made it into double digits. They did a good job of making sure that Harden was going to get his, and they knew that there wasn't a ton defensively that they could do to match it well with Harden. You saw early on some frustration from Teague trying to guard him as he was really cutting and dicing out the Timberwolves defense in that first half. But there wasn't there wasn't any need to dictate their defense around that. They didn't add pressure around him. They obviously there was lapses on defense. This is the Timberwolves defense after all, but there wasn't a desperation to really shut down Harden. There was more uh, consistent pressure to keep everyone else on their toes because they knew that Harden was going to get his his 20 plus. And that was really crucial because for the Timberwolves to get back, they didn't shoot a ton of threes, only 22 threes in this game. They didn't shoot a ton from deep to try and keep pace with them. So the important thing was is that they had to get the Rockets out of rhythm and they had to keep them from finding a real a real consistent pace offensively for this game. And to be honest, turnovers were probably the biggest thing here. 20 turnovers for the Rockets in total to 14 from the Timberwolves. The 14 or the Timberwolves also took 11 or posted 11 steals in this game to the Rockets 9. And yet again, this is a game where turnovers is really making the defense for the Timberwolves getting 20 points off of uh those turnovers. They had only 7 fast break points, but it really you could really tell that their their defense was getting generated by what they were able to do off of turnovers and what they were able to accomplish off of off of the turnovers they were creating. The other thing for the Timberwolves is that in that second half you had a couple you had a couple players really find a rhythm towns with 14 points in the second half looked really solid was shooting really well uh, 42% on 14 shots in the second half. But you also had Wiggins shoot 60% off five shots, and you had him shooting 66%. Both he and Teague went two of three from behind the three-point line in the second half, and Covington two of two behind the three-point line in the second half. So they really found a a three-point stroke, 64% in that second half, like I said, nine of 14 from deep. They really started to stretch the floor and space the floor well in that comeback to to really get back in that game. And you could tell when the the Rockets were playing on their heels in that third quarter, they didn't really have a, a bunch of guys they could throw. I mean, they kept throwing P.J. Tuck, 
or the Timberwolves were switching in when they were switching, getting PJ Tucker on Towns. They were playing down to the post, and so you saw their their defense. Like I was talking about yesterday, they didn't have the depth. They don't have the depth this season of roster talent that you can switch consistently on defense and then expect a defensive product that you're going to to fall in love with like they did last year and you really saw that play out last night you saw them get a bunch of switches that the matchups just weren't there pj tucker on towns was a disadvantage and towns was taking advantage of that in the second half they didn't have the athletes to consistently switch around and take three-point shooters Covington was doing whatever he wanted uh you had t getting a bunch of open looks the the switching wasn't there for the Rockets, and that was a crucial part of the Timberwolves getting back in this game. Because again, they didn't shoot a lot of threes, but they converted a lot of their threes. And to hit nine of their 11 threes in that second half and really go off in that third quarter, especially when they scored 38 points in that third quarter, they shot 72% from three. They hit eight of their 11 threes in that third quarter. Two of those from Teague, two of those from Wiggins. Covington pitched in. You had two threes from Sarge. Just a, a really great effort and a really good job of understanding where the pace of the game was going, where the flow of the game was was going. It it was really encouraging to see Teague not pass up on those open looks. It was encouraging to see guys take advantage of those open threes and not try and drive in just because they had been kind of cold earlier on and weren't able to hit some threes and weren't really weren't really hitting their offense at full tilt in that first half. It was encouraging to see this team go with the pace and the flow of the game. And so they they were waiting and they weren't panicking on defense or on offense. And then once they started feeling it and shot their shots started opening up, once the switching really broke down on defense for the Rockets, that's when they took advantage of it. And you saw they were playing really opportunistic. Derrick Rose had a, a bunch of minutes, didn't score any points, but he only shot four times. He was, he was recognizing that he wasn't feeling it that night, that that wasn't going to be his night. And so he had a bunch of assists, and he just did what he could to try and push the pace of this offense for for the Timberwolves. And knowing where what your role has to be in every given game, I mean, T, T, Taj Gibson doesn't always have games where he is super present or where his presence is super known as far as the stat sheet goes I I think that he does a lot off the stat sheet that helps this team defensively but he was taking advantage of some of the some of the matchups some of the small ball that the Rockets were playing and he had a nice double double on the night Towns was not playing outside himself he shot in that third quarter 57 percent he took seven shots he was taking advantage of the matchups there's a bunch of times when the switching was really not working for the Rockets and when that happened he was able to take advantage of a matchup but he wasn't shooting a ton of times he was just taking what the defense was giving and that's what led to him having 10 points in that in that third quarter so really smart basketball being played by the Timberwolves in this game a really great job of not playing outside of what the defense was offering because we knew right we knew going into this one that the Rockets were going to give up shots eventually. The, they did not have the depth on their roster to play the defense they want to play. And as long as you don't freak out about James Harden getting his points right away, then you're going to be fine. And the defense is going to give you looks and going to give you shots. And then on the other side, 
I know that Wiggins has been going through a tough run of games, but his defense kind of punctuated the night, but it was really a combined effort by everyone. Robert Covington uh, to to finish out that first half and give Wiggins that that clutch three from just past half court to bank in the three before the half were, were testaments. You had Towns and the way he was playing three steals and a block. All of these guys were pitching in big for that 11 steals, seven block total at the end of the night. Really great defensive effort by the Timberwolves, and it was really good to see tons of effort from Wiggins. I know that there were some spots where he chose to play some isolation offense, and maybe that could have some Timberwolves fans sh- scratching their heads a little bit, but he he was still playing high-effort basketball. He shot really well from the field, 54% on the night, 66% from the three-point line. He wasn't taking a bulk of shots. It wasn't. It didn't feel like he was pressing too much this game. He. It felt like he was really back in rhythm. And the 16 points and the three blocks, I think, was important for him. I'm hoping over the last couple of games he's had decent outings. Not not crazy, not crazy big performances, but decent outings. But when he goes through a slump. These are the things you got to track is, okay, how is he doing? What's the next game bringing? How is he playing in this next game on offense and on defense? Where is, is he playing loose and free-flowing basketball? Is he playing tight? Is he, is he, does he look tight-wound? And those are important things to track. And so him getting back quickly on defense, making monster plays on defense, being aggressive and, and really attacking opponents, defensively that's important stuff to watch for for Wiggins and then how he plays on offense uh, what kind of shots he's taking what kind of shots he's passing up all that is important and I think last night it looked like he another game where he's kind of stepping out of that slump and again I know it can be frustrating when you're talking about a guy in his fifth year max contract player it, it can be frustrating that it seems like sometimes you have to deal with Wiggins with kid gloves on, or you have to really be patient with Wiggins, but he is he can be such a game-changing player when he's reaching that that high, when he's reaching that ceiling, and when he's reaching up towards the, that ceiling that you know is there. And so I think it's better to be patient and, because you, you know that there is some really great game-breaking potential there and be patient with him. Let him kind of find his swing again. He was playing really well to start the season. The first couple of weeks, he was playing really well. And so to let him find that rhythm again, be patient, let him find that rhythm, is I think is going to be really valuable. And when you have depth, when you have Covington and, and Sarge on this team, adding some more depth to this roster, I think there is a little more room to be patient. And so you can be fine with a, a 16 a 16.3 block night as long as he's shooting efficiently which he did and so you can be I'm happy with that Wiggins performance and moving forward I'm hoping that he can have a big week because there's some tough opponents coming down the pipe for the Timberwolves we're going to take a quick break for some sponsors and then we're just going to glance at the slate of games coming up for the Timberwolves this week but first some sponsors this episode is sponsored by Action Heat Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and effectively deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by five recharge 
rechargeable 5 volt lithium ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers and snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors and hates being cold. That's me. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep your toasty warm and even in the most frigid weathers, you can stay comfortably warm. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save up to 20% on your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on. Again, that's actionheat.com slash locked on and check out everything Action Heat has to offer. Use a coupon, the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. That's 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Timberwolves, uh, they just finished up with the Rockets, getting through a tough a tough run of home games. They have one more home game tomorrow, but the Spurs, Celtics, and Rockets I think the way they played against the Spurs, well, really against all these teams, but the wins against the Rockets and the Spurs, a crushing victory against the Spurs and a comeback victory against the Rockets, were those were really telling games for the Timberwolves, and hopefully they project well for the Timberwolves this coming week because it doesn't really get any easier. And you have the Hornets at home. This is their last home game for a hot minute because you have the Hornets at home tomorrow. And then you have, on Saturday, the Blazers on the road. Monday is the Warriors on the road. And then if you look past just the week of basketball, you have the Kings 
on, on the road to the Kings on Wednesday, and then on the road next Saturday, that's the 15th. So two Saturdays from uh, from this Tuesday, you have the Suns, and they're playing them on the road. So I think that Hornets, Blazers, and Warriors, those will all be tough games. I think the Kings is a very winnable game, yeah, and I think that the, the Suns is a, an uber-winnable game. But let's let's just look forward to these these first three games. I think that it's kind of like that first big road trip on the West Coast talking about. I think the theme is the same point. You're going to have to beat the backcourts here. You're going to have to beat these point guards. Kemba Walker is playing out of his mind. Damian Lillard, like we were talking about going into that five-game road stand, the that Damian Lillard is playing more efficiently. Some, somehow he's upped his efficiency. Same with Steph Curry, and now they're going to be playing a, a healthy Warriors team here uh, on Monday in uh, on prime time, and so all of these games, you, if you're the Timberwolves, you can't you can't really uh, rest on some victories here against the Rockets or against the Spurs. You've got to come back and attack uh, right away. And the nice thing is, is that well, early in the season, it felt like there was there was a lot of back to backs, and it felt like the games were being peppered in pretty tight. Uh, you have some some rest here. You have some some days in between. And so that's going to be the, the nice part for the Timberwolves. And then once you get to the Warriors, then you're playing pretty tight uh, to the Kings, but at least they're going to be in the same same state there. But I think, and we'll, we'll dive into more of the matchup stuff and more of what they're going to have to do against particular matchups. But right away, you're looking at the next three games. The Timberwolves are going to have to be really good back in their backcourt. Teague, Rose, and Tyus Jones are all going to have to be really sound on the defensive side and on the offensive side to keep up with what these guys are going to throw at them. And it'll be it'll be fun because I think the backcourt of the Timberwolves right now is the most fun it's been in quite a few years. It's the most versatile that's allowed to be in quite a few years. And so I think that there's a lot of fun lineups and a lot of fun things they can do with their roster to beat these teams. I think there's a lot of things that the backcourt specifically can throw at the Hornets, the Blazers, and the Warriors. And it'll be fun to dive into all those, but we're going to get to that tomorrow and later throughout the rest of the week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in listening to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Download the Amazon Music app today.